You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Benny and the Bets. What is good, everybody? Welcome into Benny and the Bets. We're doing a two-part show today with my friend Mike Randall, uh, one of the driving forces, the chief content officer over at Fade the Noise and FTN Bets. Um, we are presented by PXG, which you can see over in that right corner. Go visit our friends over at PXG here at PXG Kansas City, or you can check out all their stuff over at PXG.com. Mike, I love having you on because not only are we right around the corner from college basketball season, which I know is your your certainly your bread and butter, but there's plenty to talk about in the NFL this week. There's a marquee matchup in Germany with the Chiefs and the Dolphins. You got a great game between the Bengals and the Bills this week, a few others along the way. But mostly, I just get to see your smiling face, and that makes me happy. Yeah, it's great. Thanks for having me, Ben. It, we are in the midst of it. We just had, what was it called? Sports Palooza, where we had all four major sports on yeah, Monday. Yeah, Sports Equinox. Equinox. Thank you, Equinox. Sorry, Palooza. Yeah, it's a party either way. Either, though. That's, there's definitely a party feel to it. Absolutely. And now we have college hoops, men and women coming on Monday. So can't wait to get started. Lines dropped last night. We are talking before we got on here. Just the scrolling, and every time I see yet another one, and I'm bringing back Mike White and Johnny Dawkins' thoughts. I mean, I can't wait. Mike, how how long have you been covering this this side of the industry? I know you've you've been at FTN for a couple of years now. Obviously, a long time with the Action Network. Like collectively, when it comes to sort of looking back at, at when you first got started and how you first got started, like do you remember? Do you remember when you first got the itch and when you decided to? really kind of pursue this full time? Totally, Ben. I was in public education and I enjoyed a great career in public education, teaching math and coaching, doing so many wonderful things, working my way up to administration. And then in 2016, I just started saying, you know, I love to do some stuff in my personal time for free, break down lines, break down matchups, do some stats, regression analysis, things like that. My first article then, horrific, was Ezekiel Elliott, why he would be a terrible pick for the Cowboys. So shows you how terrible my analysis was when we started. It was something- I don't know. You're kind of ahead of your time, Mike. Oh, uh, co- the, the silly overused line bed, caveat emptor, right? I thought I was being so cool <laughs> with that first one. But that's what it was. And then it just grew from there. And, and there were so many people that I connected with. One was Colin Kelly over at Rotoviz. He was looking for someone to help edit podcasts. I said, that sounds like fun. So Colm and I were connecting Ireland and America back and forth, and I learned audacity and all those things and sort of took off from there. So anyone out there who's looking to get involved, that's how you do it. It's free. Then they pay you a couple shekels to do it. Then you keep moving and moving, and here we are. But yeah, it's been about seven years now, so I love it. And, and here's the thing, too, for, for all of you listening out there. If, if we would just be you know taking care of our, of our teachers and all the folks in the world of education just a little bit more, we may not have had the Mike Randall that we have today. <laughs> So, you know, I want to I want to thank the the education system in this country for for allowing you the opportunity to realize that this is truly what you wanted to do. It's been listen, it's been fun and I loved being an educator, got to hire a lot of former students and former players that I had on both basketball track teams, etc. Uh, but it was a chance to take a shot. My wife was supportive, which is great, and it was something that grew from a hobby, that a hobby to where we are right now. And so Still have a lot of connections, love attending the sporting events. But yes, some of the inner workings, Ben, that could be challenging when you're dealing in any public job now become a little bit different. They just get mad at me if the pick is wrong. So really, it's it's sort of same thing, but in a different profession. All right, very much so. All right, so as I mentioned, this is going to be a two-part show. We'll start with the week nine lines that certainly are intriguing to us. And we'll kick things off, Mike, with uh, what's happening right now between the Dolphins and the Chiefs. 
A little bit of movement towards the Miami side throughout the course of the week. Seeing the Chiefs money line at minus 125 in that game out in Germany. One and a half point favorite. Technically, it's considered a Chiefs home game, even though it's all the way out in Frankfurt. Total comes in at 51. I guess, first of all, collectively, there, there's always been a, a bit of knowledge when it comes to trying to determine the right time to go. And as we've seen over the course of the London games over the last handful of years, the sooner a team goes out and gets acclimated to the time zone difference and playing this far away from home, uh, more often than not, they, they tend to perform better. But we're also recognizing the fact that Kansas City is coming off of a pretty painful loss on the road at Denver. Some might argue that it was a bit of a look-ahead game. Miami still has some flaws. I guess, collectively, give me your thoughts on this game and and how you're looking at it from sort of an overview perspective before we start dying, you know, diving into the nitty-gritty. Yeah, a couple talking points. One, there is no home field advantage because the game is in Germany. Number two, I thought that game for both teams, Miami and Kansas City, was very telling. I thought Miami would play it very close to the vest, not want to show anything, and they didn't. Kansas City struggled against Denver. Now, you want to say, Ben, interdivision game, favorite on the road, fine. But this is two games in a row that they struggled against the Denver defense. It's not like the 19-8 to game a couple weeks ago, their offense was clicking. Everything Kansas City does is dependent on Travis Kelsey, who only twice this year has gone over 67 yards receiving. Because he had the monster game against the Chargers, we think this offense is humming. It is not. Sky Moore, yes, I have too many best ball sharers, Ben, of Sky Moore. He can't get open. MVS just caught one pass this entire year. That's, that's been him. Justin Watson injured. Rasheed Rice, great, but still green. And this offense with Isaiah Pacheco only averaged 3.2 rushing yards per attempt last week against Denver. I like Mike McDaniel. I know what the narrative is. Miami doesn't beat anyone over 500. That they're king of the little people. But I think that the playmakers on this offense, I trust Tua. I trust the offense. I don't like what I'm seeing from the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes may have had the flu last week. I'm going to take the points and the underdog here with Miami. I think they get the win in Germany. I think there are issues with Kansas City that we are not talking about because their record has been good and they've had enough big performances from Kelsey to mask some of the other issues. Don't trust the O-line. Defense has been good, but you know Tyreek against his former team. I'm going with the Dolphins this week in Germany. So is it more a play on sort of fading Kansas City's offense at this point or more a play on regardless of how strong the Kansas City defense has looked. And there have been a couple moments, I think about that first half against the Chargers, where teams were finally able to exploit them, but they made those necessary adjustments. And even to a certain extent, that game against Denver just felt like the whole team was out of sync. Is it kind of a collective fade the Chiefs at this moment in time? Or are you kind of looking at them long term and saying, yeah, there, there's some major concerns here that I don't feel comfortable about, even with Mahomes and Kelsey, if they're healthy composed. It's it's trusting, Ben. I like to go into games across all sports. What is the most reliable unit in the game? Offense, defense, either team. The most reliable unit to me in this game is the Miami offense. I think they are going to score. I think they're going to be good on a neutral field. And yes, Kansas City's defense has been solid, but look at some of the, besides the Charger game, they haven't played a ton of great quarterbacks. Destroyed Justin Fields at home when Chicago really wasn't playing well, totally dismantled. Uh, that the Jets, they barely escaped there against Zach Wilson. So I agree. I think that the Chiefs defense is going to be tested. I trust this Miami offense more, and I don't like the narrative here. If Patrick Mahomes on the road is can be a big, big uh, against the spread bet, but when he is a slight favorite in a neutral uh, 
the field, one or the other, I think it's going to be a fade for me. So I like Miami. I like their offense. I trust their playmakers. And yes, I'm concerned about the Kansas City offense here. I'm not sure if it's ready to put up enough points to win this game in Germany. Yeah, and again, based off of what we're seeing with that spread, Mahomes via Evan Abrams over at Action Network, he's played in three neutral site games over the course of his career. 3-0 and against the spread, covering by only 5.2 points. That might seem like a lot based off of the spread, but again, we're, we're talking about Super Bowls. We're playing, talking about the international game against the Chargers. Uh, and the Chiefs have put up points in those games. But again, very different style of the offense, very different playmakers for Mahomes available as well. And going against a very dangerous offense in Miami. I, I ended up taking Kansas City in this game. Um, got them early in the week on the money line before I knew that they'd be leaving a little bit late. A little bit nervous about it, Mike, just purely based on, on everything that we're talking about. Like There are genuine concerns. But hopefully, at least for our audience and for everybody, it will be a fun back-and-forth game because I think Chiefs fans, they feel confident in their defense now. They'd like to see the offense be able to trade possessions against some good teams over the course of this game. What about some of the other matchups that intrigue you this week? I know that uh, there's a very intriguing matchup uh, taking place between the Bills and the Bengals on Sunday Night Football right now. Cincinnati, a two-point favorite at home, total of 495 uh, it's very odd to find the Bills um, as a as an underdog. It's just not something that we're accustomed to. At the same time, like they're they're a, an, they're so enigmatic because this is a team that when they win, they tend to blow you out. And we've seen a couple of years they've actually won some close games, but given away some games as well. What's your assessment of this game and this particular matchup? And are, are the Bengals starting to get hot at the right time? Public's on the wrong side here, Ben. I firmly believe that. One game has cured everyone's concerns with the Bengals. I don't like their offensive line. I don't like their terrible running game. Joe Mixon has been inefficient all year. Yes, they had a nice win against San Francisco on the road without Debo Samuel or Brock Purdy kept turning the ball over left and right. But I don't trust this defense. And if you go back per bet labs, Josh Allen as a road underdog, 10-3-2, that's 77% against the spread with Sean McDermott and Josh Allen on the road. I like the Bills here. I think the knee-jerk reaction, the recency bias is way too strong. Bets and money are on the Bengals. No way. I know that the Bills have struggled, but they've also put some big-time performances out there. I will take the Bills in a buy-low spot here against a Bengals team that I don't think has fixed that much. Yes, Joe Burrow is healthy. Yes, a Jamar Chase is going to be an issue, but the running game has still struggled. The defense is very questionable. Good coach in, in Sean McDermott. I think it's a buy-low spot on the Bills. I can't believe they're getting points. I grabbed it at three. It's now at two and a half. Even though the majority of bets men are on the other side, I think that tells us something here. So I'm going to take a chance with Josh Allen on the road. I, I think it's a great play, and I think especially if you're looking for uh, a way to maybe tease this game, Buffalo from mm-hmm. plus two to plus eight uh, is, is another really opportunistic way to be able to go here. Um, I, I think one of the, the teasers that I took earlier in this week involved um, – uh, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, at one point, they were minus seven. I got them down to minus one. You can still move the Saints at home against the Bears team that continues to befuddle everything that's going on. They fired another coach this week. Uh, you can go ahead and move the Saints if you want down to minus two and a half. Uh, tease it with the Bills line to plus eight, uh, and you should find yourself in a very advantageous spot. Is there anything else from from the week nine slate that catches your attention uh, before we shift things and, and move to the world of college basketball? No, I think we're good. I, I, you know, tonight's game is very interesting with Pittsburgh and Tennessee. Uh, I, I've trust Deontay Johnson getting open. I think the issue, Ben, what we're seeing is sometimes these quarterbacks, with the exception of the great ones, they have to see you open to throw the ball. 
And so Deontay Johnson can get open. So whether it's Pickett or Trubisky or wherever it's going to be, it doesn't surprise me because when Deontay Johnson's in this offense, they're averaging three more points per game. The rushing yardage per game goes down. The passing yardage goes up. He is the straw that stirs the drink tonight. So I think Deontay Johnson going over his receiving profits, about 55 and a half, 56 and a half, is a good bet as well. Pittsburgh gets Cam Hayward back, very underrated here, should stop or at least provide more resistance for the Tennessee rushing attack as well. So good games all around, but we get the two big ones. Dolphins, Chiefs in Germany, and Bills, Bengals, of course, on Sunday night. I'm with you. I ended up taking the under on this one at 37. Uh, just because I, I do see some concerns for Tennessee. I think Pittsburgh, especially with that defense at home, uh, Will Levis looked terrific last week. But again, now you got a little bit more film. Short turnaround. Hopkins was great. There's no way Pittsburgh is going to leave him that open the way that we saw him from a week ago. I mentioned the uh, the teaser that I had last week involving the Saints. Also teased them with the Cleveland Browns. Moved that line down to minus two. Um, they're going up against Arizona, who's now playing likely with Clayton Toon. And we'll have some more picks for you over the course of the week. Uh, just be following us on Twitter at JC Sports Network. You can follow me at Benny Ice. If you're not following Mike, by the way, uh, shame on you because uh, the, uh, the content is outstanding. You should be following him at Randall Rand. And where can uh, everybody follow you as far as um, FTN, FTN Bets, FTN Fantasy? There's, there's several different handles, uh, always outstanding content that people can follow to get themselves ready for the yeah, FTN Bets, FTN Daily, FTN Fantasy across the board. We're offering a special here for college basketball, women's and men's college basketball. First month, 50% off the first month here at FTN Bets. Come on over, use college basketball as the promo code. We're ready to rock and roll. Great things. Already putting bets into the bet tracker. Our Discord is hopping. It's a great time. Come on over, join us. You won't be disappointed. Absolutely not. And I'm, I'm excited that uh, there's uh, not only uh, great coverage for college basketball on the men's side, but also on the women's side as well. And for anybody that is betting a, a lot of college basketball on the women's side, you're going to find more advantageous spots because a lot of these books are less likely to move lines quickly. Uh, there's so many different games that are available. It's like betting on the WNBA at the right time. You can find better opportunities to take advantage of some of these lines. So uh, well, Mike and his team are doing at FTN is really providing that outlet in the conversation that they have. You're already on the uh, the KCSN Discord, so you might as well join the FTN one as well. All right, we're going to transition here from the NFL, move on to college basketball after this break. Mike Randall over at FTN is with us here on Benny and the Bet. Stay with us. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is Benny in the Bets. Mike Randall, the Chief Content Officer over at Fade the Noise Network, is with us. All right, Mike, there's a lot of different areas for us to dive in with the start of college basketball on Monday. I think we can kind of work our way from some of these local teams, all of which I find to be very intriguing. It's fun here in the Kansas City area to take a look at KU, K-State, and the Zoo, some of the other local teams involved. Because all of them have very realistic, not just chances to make the tournament, but to 
play for contention in their conference, maybe make a run in the NCAA tournament as well. So we're, I'm going to go ahead and leave that off to you. Give, give me the three teams. Uh, we'll rank them from most interesting to uh, maybe, I don't want to call it less interesting, but, but where you want to start, you want to start with KU, K-State, or, or Mizzou when it comes to breaking down some of these local chances. Yeah, let's start with KU. Let's start at the top here with Bill Self. KU, to me, Ben, has a mission this year. They did not like how last year ended. Thank God Bill Self healthy. Everything worked out. But this is a team that has been snake bit during the COVID year. They were the dominant team in college basketball. And yes, they have two titles under Bill Self. Yes, he's the best coach in college basketball. Yes, this is the elite program. However, they almost have a chip on their shoulder. And I've seen Bill Self interviews that he really wants to bounce back and make a statement this year. I have loved betting KU on the road. When they're on the road in conference, they've been very profitable, whether they're a slight favorite or a slight underdog. And it's very difficult to fade a Bill Self team when he brings the two players that he brings, the point guard in Dewan Harris and the center transfer from Michigan, Hunter Dickinson. The other player who's the X factor to me for KU is KJ Adams. Ben, last year, KJ Adams was an undersized center, playing the opposing big man, rolling, learning that. He's now going to be in a monster power forward, just someone who I think is really going to grow, who's under the radar. Kevin McCuller, Nick Timberlake, the shooter, replaces Grady Dick. I think they have it all. I love Bill Self. I love this team. They're the favorite for a reason, and now they have a chip on their shoulder. So love what Kansas is doing. Easy team to root for. So many great teams in the Midwest. To me, it's Kansas and Duke, and those teams are below the Jayhawks because of their great point guard play in Harris, who's a fantastic leader, maybe the best leader in college basketball, and Dickinson inside, who is going to a program, whether it is is Yudoka Asabuki, whoever their interior player is, going back to Perry Ellis, Self always gets great value out of those interior players. No doubt. And you mentioned in your preview article over at FTN Bets that the Jayhawks actually struggled a little bit last year only 17 and 19 against the spread. But as you mentioned, they were really good on the road, five and one against the spread last season. Um, Non-conference, okay, just nine and 10. Um, Again, Kansas, you mentioned that they might be a fade for you in the earlier portion of the season. But my question would be, if I'm looking at some of these look-ahead lines, and again, for for purposes of this show, we'll just use the lines over at DraftKings. I'm looking at them when it comes to the early season tournaments. Maui is going to be really intriguing because other than Marquette and maybe Gonzaga, I I don't think there's a whole lot of teams that are going to challenge Kansas. I'm not afraid of Tennessee. I'm not afraid of Purdue. Um, This feels especially if Bill Self wants to make a statement in the early portion of the year, go to Maui with this type of team, with this type of experience on the roster, and you have a chance to take down as the favorite what I feel is a reasonable line of plus 220 to win the early season tournament. Yeah, you look at some of these games. I'm not as comfortable, as you said, Ben, on the small school games. I mean, are we going to worry about a backdoor cover with North Carolina Central? I just don't think that's something I want to be invested in. The ghost of George Pappas is going to linger in my head. But you look <laughs> but you look at the close matchups with schools like Kentucky, UConn. Is Klingon going to be available in that game? Those are games I'm going to jump on. I, it is tough to fade. In the, year of the, in, the, in the time of college basketball where transfers are all over the place, the stability point guard, self, Dickinson, who's an experienced transfer coming in. That's an advantage over Kentucky. That's an advantage over Connecticut. Then you're going to have a game against Missouri, rivalry game. Indiana, who I I struggle with because they're going big at a time in college basketball when everyone else is going small. So Thanks, Mike Woodson. Appreciate that. Yeah, Listen, it could work. That It absolutely could work because it's different. 
But we haven't really seen it before. And of course, we have the Taco Bell issues with late night people stopping by getting arrested there. So crazy stuff across the board. But I love Kansas in big time matchups because I think they have such an advantage. Not as much concerned with smaller schools where you could get a backdoor cover. Why are we even worrying about that? But when they're focused in these big matchups against Kentucky and Connecticut, I'm going to be on the Kansas side. Are you on Hunter Dickinson for the one award at 9-1? I'm not. I'm not on that. I, I don't put him at that level. He's a really solid, strong, top player, uh, divi- uh, you know, first team, second team, All-American. I don't like him for the Wooden Award because I don't think his upside is as great as some of the other players. Because again, on offense, he has the hook, he has basic moves, not as athletic. And I do think on this team, he's going to become one of the pieces. Didn't really dominate at Michigan the way I wanted to see after his freshman year. So I don't put him in that level, but it doesn't mean he's any less valuable for a Kansas team that can win the national championship. All right, let's transfer over to uh, Kansas State. Obviously a fantastic year for Jerome Tang in his first year. They went 26-10, and 11-7 and at a very difficult conference, but they're they're losing some key guys. Keontae Johnson's gone. Marquise Noel is gone. Uh, you mentioned in your article that uh, only 35.9% of the minutes that they had on their roster is coming back. And you also discuss that when it comes to first-year coaches who have this dynamic year where everything seems to be going right, it's not necessarily a knock on the coach in the second year, but you're going to see some more regression to the mean. And I'm curious as to how you foresee that with Kansas State this year, if at all. You nailed it. Jerome Tang is a wonderful coach, should have been a head coach a long time ago and had a magical year. You know, Ben, because we're close. I was at Madison Square Garden watching those games. Tom Izzo had a chance in a Final Four, and he was a little salty after that loss to Kansas State. He even made mention in the post-game press conference I was standing there, and he's like, you know, some of those lucky shots don't go in. You know, that's a dig. But then they play Florida Atlantic and what's a great game. But losing Noel and Johnson, when things got tough, they produced time after time. And so I just think there's going to be a little bit of a regression. You go back to last year at Kansas State, their non-conference was not great. UT Rio Grande Valley... California, Rhode Island, Nevada was overtime, LSU, who was down by two on a neutral. So I think they got saved by getting hot at the right time and Tang brought the team together and they had what we desire in the postseason, which are late clock shot makers. This year, I don't know if they have that. And that's my concern. They had a run. They were 15 and one, but then they struggled losing five of seven games in the middle of the season. So that's why I want to see it. I have no doubt that Kansas State can adjust, and I have no doubt that they can actually put it together and get hot later in the year. But earlier in the year, I am going to fade them. I do love the fact that they brought in Tyler Perry, a fantastic scorer who is under the radar nationally because he existed in a very slow, deliberate North Texas team. He's fantastic. But the key, Ben, is Arthur Kaluma. I was at Madison Square Garden two years ago watching Creighton when Arthur Kaluma put on a show in the Big East tournament. And I entered last year with Creighton saying, this is a lottery pick-like player who can really grow. He regressed. He became passive. He wasn't great with his shot. He was shuffling his feet under the basket. So Arthur Kaluma is the bellwether for this team. If he can get to where I think he can, K-State can take off and be a deep Final Four contender again. But if Arthur Kaluma continues at the level I saw last year, that's a lot on Tyler Perry coming into the Big 12. I'm just a little concerned. And I do think because of their success, the early season lines will be inflated. 
Love Jerome Tang. Love K-State. I just think it's going to be a little inflated early, but I have hope that he will get it together. And if Arthur Kaluma takes that step, this team can go back to the Elite Eight and even further. So to your point about Kansas State, the the line does feel inflated, especially to make the Final Four over on DraftKings. It's 18-1 for a Final Four run. If you're, or excuse me, 12-1 to for a Final Four run. But if you're looking purely at just the Big 12 Conference, uh, they come in sixth behind Kansas, Houston, Texas, Baylor, TCU. K-State comes in at 18-1, just ahead of Texas Tech at 20-1. And you're right, Kaluma's going to be a fascinating watch, especially this year. And I think to your point, it also gives us, as futures bettors, to not necessarily feel like we have to jump in early with Kansas State. If we like the development of Kaluma, if we like how this defense is playing collectively, if they're getting the type of stops that they were getting last year, then we can jump on board knowing that we feel secure about the development of this team. At this particular point, I'm with you. I think K-State is probably a fade in the earlier portion, maybe more so to check in on later on in the year. As far as the the newcomers to the conference, I think the big one is certainly with Houston coming in. And it almost feels like they're they're so drastically different from the way that Kansas likes to play. Obviously, two very good defensive teams. And Houston is always going to be very efficient offensively. But, man, they play slow. And those are the types of teams I feel like that, that Kansas has had a hard time with before in the past because they like to get out in transition. Self is very happy with the way of being able to get touches inside. Dickinson can run the floor. Do you look at Houston in a new conference, in a new opportunity, as a legit contender to Kansas to win the Big 12? Yeah, can we take it easy with Houston? Nationally, everyone has been thinking that Houston is just going to become this dominant team in the Big 12. Ben, I like Houston. I think they're going to be very live, especially at home. But let's take a look at what Houston has done over the last couple of years. They have dominated teams within their conference when they're in the AAC. But they lost to Alabama last year, probably the best team they played for a majority of their schedule, gave up a ton of rebounds and physicality and lost a big lead at home, 71-65 to Bama. Then they lose at home to Temple. and They've always struggled with Memphis, which was really the only team in the conference that could even approach them athletically. I just think that we have a, we have to slow the brakes a little bit on Kelvin Sampson and Houston just coming over and being a top two team in the Big 12. This is the best conference in college basketball, period. End of discussion. I think there's going to be a transition. You're going to tell me that Houston is probably going to be a favorite at Kansas State by three or four points? That's crazy. They have no interior presence. They lost a lot with Sasser, who is a tremendous player, who's doing great things with Detroit right now. I like Houston, but I think they're overvalued. I have concerns. This is not a team that played the caliber of opponents in their conference that they do now. It's been masked because of their postseason success. But Ben, they can go long droughts without scoring, and the athleticism is going to be matched. Look at their record against Memphis. Memphis was able to match them physically as the teams in the Big 12 will. So I will be taking home dogs against Houston as we start the conference because I think it will be inflated for a team that's going to play the defense and keep the score low and struggle to score. I will take the opponents in these matchups early. I like Houston, but the idea that they just slide in and they're the second best team behind Kansas is a little much for me. All right. So you brought up the point of the Big 12 as it relates to the AEC via Ken Palm when it comes to ranking conferences by adjusted EM of each team expected to go 500 in conference play. You have the Big Ten at the very top of that list, plus 17.1. 
Number two, the, the uh, conference we'll discuss next in the SEC at plus 16.39. You go all the way down to number nine in the rankings. That's the AEC at plus 3.87. And now with a lot of teams out of that conference moving on to the Big 12, it just makes the Big 12 even more dangerous. So let's let's talk about the SEC for just a second because I, I think you can make a, I don't want to say a definitive argument, but a fairly compelling one that after the Big 12, the SEC might be the, the deepest and most challenging conference in college basketball this year for a team like Missouri. And again, we're also talking in a similar situation as, as K-State where you have you know, a really good first year with Dennis Gates and you see a ton of improvement and you see some really strong play. And now you're starting to see it by way of recruiting. This is still a team that's projected to finish anywhere between maybe eight and 10 in the conference this year. Um, there's a lot to like uh, about this Missouri roster. Maybe you want to see the defense improve a little bit. Currently projected 79th in adjusted defense over at Ken Palm. But give me your perspective on this Tigers team, Dennis Gates, and sort of what they might be capable of this year. Sleeper team across the board. Dennis Gage, one of the coaches. And Ben, you know my handicapping. I put a huge emphasis on coaches. Dennis Gates makes a difference. No one thought Missouri was going to do anything last year. They come in and they play very, very well with big upsets across the board and big wins. Interesting with Missouri, Dennis Gates, obviously great at coaching defense, even though they struggled. That was his, that was his mantra when he was at Cleveland State. Yes, their metrics are poor across the board, but they were number six in the country in defensive turnover percentage per Ken Palm. So they do get after you and hawk the ball. Again, this is going to be another team that's going to have to make a lot of adjustments. I love that he's returning his point guard at Nick Honor. Love him at Clemson. Big shot maker. Caleb Grill can be a frenetic guy. He left Iowa. He was kicked out of Iowa State. Very Kirk Creasa-like with Caleb <laughs> Grill. High ceiling, low floor. John Tanjay, I love. John Tanjay, I love that acquisition. Used to be at Colorado State. I don't know if you remember this. The comeback for Colorado State against San Diego State, which was the biggest comeback in Mountain West history a couple of years ago, Tanjay hit the three to win the game at the end. So again, another shooter who can hit big shots in clutch moments. Noah Carter back and Connor Vanover, the seven foot five center inside, was at Oral Roberts, can shoot, was at Arkansas. So I believe in Dennis Gates. Again, I think this is going to take a while for this team to come together, but I think people are expecting there's going to be regression after last year's close wins. Maybe, but Gates has proven to me that he can get this team together. They have a nice home court advantage. They compete well, and I agree with you. While I can't even admit that the, I argue that the Big 12 is the best conference in college basketball, the one I enjoy watching the most is by far the SEC. My partner, Gus Kearns, on the Screen to Screener podcast always laughed because I love SEC basketball. I love watching those games. Missouri was a great surprise. So many games, been last year. I remember Saturday morning, you wake up, Missouri's on at noon. We looked at their schedule right away, and all of a sudden, they're playing Kansas at home on Saturday, December 10th, and they're blowing their doors off. Then they're playing Arkansas away, and they're coming back. Exciting team. Believe in Dennis Gates. I think the defense will improve, and I think the offense will come around as the year goes on. And they have a chance, by the way, to, to start off the year 9-0 and with a fairly easy yes. schedule. Uh, toughest game on that slate might be that game on November 10th. Uh, but it's at home against Memphis. Great game. Uh, couple other brought in with Pittsburgh in uh, in late November. Uh, up until the the game on the road at KU, they only have two other road games mm -hmm. at Minnesota and then also at Pittsburgh. But these are two. Th this is a Missouri team that I, I think certainly matches up well with them. So um, that that first Memphis game, I think, will be a nice opportunity to to kind of flex their muscles a little bit. Memphis is certainly a good team. Uh, but but I do think the Tigers have what it takes, especially in a, in a big home game 
uh, to get the crowd behind him and win that one outright. And then that matchup against Kansas is just going to be so fun on Saturday, December 9th. Cannot wait for that matchup. But do you, but do you look at Missouri uh, because of the fact that they are a sneaky team to consider them in their futures market maybe on the earlier side this year? I do. When you look at their schedule, when you have a non-conference schedule, Ben, like that, you just can't get tripped up. I think they're going to beat Memphis at home. No, you know Kendrick Davis, of course, big departure. Williams inside, I don't believe has gotten the waiver yet. 26-year-old uh, big man inside. So I believe in this town. I don't know if Memphis is going to win on the road in that game. You have Pittsburgh away. I'm down on Pittsburgh this year. Back-to-back emotional games, Wichita State and Kansas. That's going to be tough. But I think that for this type of team with Dennis Gates to have an easier schedule early, plays into their advantage because certainly once they get into the Big 12 schedule, their strength of schedule goes through the roof. Smart move by Dennis Gates. You don't want to challenge a young team or a team filled with transfers. You want to give them time to acclimate before they have the test. All right, you ready to go a little round the horn and, and go through some of these conference bets and give out some futures? Sure, let's do it. All right, let's start with the Big East. Marquette, the favorite at plus 220, followed by the defending champion, UConn Huskies, and then Creighton right after them. Next jump is to Villanova, and then it's basically everybody after that. Who do you like in the Big East? Yeah, I like Creighton. I, they have their core back. Uh, you know, last year they had that run where they had those losses in the middle. Kalkbrenner got mono, I think. They lost six straight games. And just a word to the wise here, Ben, when you have a super talented team like a UConn or a Creighton, when they have those early season losing streaks, and I think back to Auburn when they made the final four, and they should have won the national title if they didn't foul, foul Kyle Guy for the three-pointer in the corner when they're up three. That sometimes brings a team together. So talented team in Creighton has their quarterback, Kalkbrenner inside, Bayer Shireman, Trey Alexander. I like Creighton at those odds. All right, what about in the ACC? It looks like it's Duke and everybody else. Uh, they're at plus 130, followed by North Carolina at plus 450, and then Miami after that, uh, who always seems to, to make some nice tournament runs. And of course, Virginia. And I should mention too, just just to you know, puff about uh, Mike Randall's chest. Uh, a handful of years ago, when Virginia did win the national championship, I was uh, listening to uh, an Action Network podcast, trying to figure out where I wanted to go with some of my NCAA tournament futures. It was Mike Randall. The year after Virginia was out in the first round, the first number one seed to lose to a 16 seed, you called it on the air. You said this is going to be the year that Virginia turns it around, and sure enough, they did. I don't know if it's going to be the year for them this year, but as far as the ACC, who do you like there? Yeah, you know, just a shout out to that. People forget the Purdue loss to, to uh, FDU last year was 100 times worse than Virginia. No one remembers. They didn't have DeAndre Hunter in that game, Ben. And all he's done is start for the Hawks for the last five years. So people forget that they lost to UMBC. That was a major piece. Virginia is is still a team that has to get acclimated. They were not great against the spread. Kihei Clark gone, of course, just a great player for them. Bad pass in the tournament that people are going to remember against Furman. But Ryan Dunn is a player that the Virginia faithful love. I think he's going to take a while to develop. So I think Virginia is a very live bet as the year goes on. I will love them in the ACC Conference Tournament. But to me, this is still Duke, clear above. I don't trust North Carolina, although I hope that they're better than they were last year. And I think if Baycott comes back more aggressive inside, they can be. But I don't see anyone challenging Duke because I think, Ben, they will get ahead of everyone early. And I think that lead will be enough. But if this, if we fast forward to the end of the year, oh, I think they can get picked off by a Virginia who will get better as the year goes on. But I'm, I'm hard to fade Duke in this spot because they have so much talent. Proctor, Filipowski, point guard, uh, big man inside, very tough. 
Yeah. And, and Virginia Tech, by the way, was one of those teams that I, I really liked coming into the tournament last year or coming close to the tournament. They just didn't get enough done. But metrically, um, they were a pretty sound team. I think right now they're projected to finish uh, behind ooh, behind Pittsburgh. So uh, not a whole lot to love when it comes to the, the ACC after sort of the top dogs there. Uh, as we continue on, let's take a look at the Pac-12, what will be left of the Pac-12. Arizona followed by USC and then UCLA with a break to Colorado at plus uh, 700 and then Oregon at plus 900 as well. Any surprises to you in the Pac-12 for 2023-2024? Yeah, I'll give you a dark horse, Ben. I really like Oregon. I expect them to stumble early because Jermaine Cousinard, who I followed at South Carolina when he was down there with Frank Martin and the big man inside, uh, Fonte, Though they're injured right now. They've been in and out of practice. But I think Dana, it's going to be very tough for me to think that Dana Altman is not going to make the NCAA tournament for a third year in a row. So UCLA has some new players. I think Arizona can be shaky. I don't believe in Caleb Love. Lost a lot from last year. So this would be a dark horse for me. I am still high on Oregon. I think they can do some things if they get healthy. The players are focused. They were not playing defense. And I believe in Dana Altman. So this would be one of the conferences I would take a flyer on Arizona, UCLA, USC, not as much ahead as I think that most other conferences top teams are. So give me Oregon and the Ducks here once they get healthy, although they could stumble in their opening game, Las Vegas against Georgia. They do have Cario Akindo, the great Georgia point guard who's with them now, but they're just a little injured right now. So I think that you're going to get some good lines on them as the year goes on. I think they're a good future and very live here if they can get healthy quickly. All right, Big Ten, you mentioned uh, Purdue losing in the first round last year. Uh, as an Indiana fan, that was just mwah, chef's kiss watching that Painters team go down. But they are the favorites in the Big Ten, followed by Michigan State. Another break from them, it's Maryland at 7-1, to and then IU 12-1 to after that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit curious about this conference as well, because I, I do look at a team like, like Ohio State, who just kind of everything went wrong last year, but I, I like their coach. I like their experience. Is that a team that might be able to turn things around this year? And and who do you like in that conference as far as at the top of the line, a team that you like to bet on for the future? Yeah, I just think that that Chris Holdman's going to get it together. They really struggled last year, but they had a magical run in the Big Ten tournament because he was just simply too good a coach. 14 and 21 against the spread. They return a solid group. Roddy Gale's got to take a step forward for them. Zed Key, Jamison Battle, can he score consistently with a good Ohio State team? I like them not to win the conference, but I do think they'll be much improved. I think it's Michigan State. Michigan State is is clear ahead for me of even Purdue. They just, it's Tom Izzo. He has great guards right now. He has, you know, when uh, Tyson Walker came over from Northeastern, I thought he was going to be even better than he was his first year. It's kind of disappointing, but he's become a late game shot maker for them. Jay Nakins, AJ Hogard, Malik Hall now, if he can stay healthy, I love this Michigan State team. I would take them over Purdue. Yes, Zach Eady is back, but Michigan State can match them on the interior. And by the way, Indiana can match them on the interior also. So I'm a little bit lower on Purdue than most. I think they're very solid, but they are not the slam dunk winner. I still question their guard play, even though they were young. Michigan State, great guards, experienced, great coach, had a run last year, bad taste in their mouth, good bench players coming in, highly touted freshmen. I like Michigan State to win. I put Purdue a little bit below them. Maryland, Indiana, Illinois, those sort of teams. Able to pull the upset, but not going to win the Big Ten this year. All right, final few more before we let you go, Mike. And again, always appreciate your time and your insight. This has been so much fun. And certainly 
uh, helpful as somebody who has been very NFL focused over these last several weeks to finally get the uh, the college basketball hat back on. Let's wrap it up with the final three in the Mountain West. West Coast, I imagine I have a feeling where you're going to go with that one. Then also in the AAC, no, now that um, um, uh, Houston is no longer in the conference. What do you like for those three? Yeah, start with the Mount West, San Diego State. What a job by Brian Dutcher. In fact, I put in my preview last year in FTM Bestman how much I, le- I like San Diego State, yet I got off them against Creighton there when they got into the uh, the NCAA tournament. So I like them there. St. Mary's can certainly challenge Gonzaga in the WCC, but it's hard to go against Gonzaga, especially with Graham E.K. coming over, who I loved at Wyoming. Big man inside, more athletic than some of the big men they've had, big players they've had in the past inside. So I love him as well. Uh, and your uh, third conference was AAC, correct? Yes. And a, a, the AAC this year is is really interesting because there's been a lot of turnover and there's different teams coming into the conference that they had last year. And so in that turnover, they have they end up having opportunities. But what I like in this program, of course, I think you know where I'm going to go is Florida Atlantic. I love Florida Atlantic last year. I just thought that they were so undervalued because they had great guards. They had a senior-laden team. I love the style that they played. They could play slow. They could play fast. And they were just consistent. So look out, Memphis. It's going to be a battle. But how can I fade my owls when they have basically everyone back except for one player? What a year it was. I get nervous because I feel like now everyone's on them. So maybe I should do the opposite. But we're going to ride with them again because they were so profitable. All right. I, I think it would be an easy question to ask you who's cutting down the nets, who's your final four. But I, I, I'd rather get your perspective on this. Give me a team that is getting far too much preseason hype that you don't believe is going to live up to it when it comes to futures opportunities and odds, as well as the team that is not, you can play the Rodney Dangerfield card, not getting enough love, not getting enough hype that we should be having more increased discussions about uh, as perhaps a Final Four dark horse this year. Yeah, I think UConn, people are very high on them. I don't. I think they lost a lot. So I would not assume that they're just going to be able to slide over and pick up where they left off last year. I also expect some regression from Texas. You know, they were struggling against the Division II program in the preseason exhibition. Not the preseason exhibitions or any barometer of how the scenes are going to go, but those are two teams that I think are sort of a little bit overrated and can actually be a little bit worse than people think that they're going to be. And the team that I've talked about here is Dayton in the A-10. Dayton last year, I got to see them with Anthony Grant, just had a tremendous big man inside in Deron Holmes who dominated. But they bring a good amount of players back. They have a great home court advantage. They really struggled up and down. In the A-10 tournament, though, they did make a run, lost to VCU 68-56 in the conference tournament. Dayton is that small school with a great coach, a great player, good guards, can make the threes, and had some bad injuries last year, Ben, that if they stay healthy this year, can be that magical mid-major that makes a run. I'm trying to remember, it was either Dayton or another team in the A-10 that was playing in a Thanksgiving Day tournament, and the, the final score was maybe like 42 to 41, mm-hmm. and it was just the most infuriating game that I think, I think I bet the live under at like 91 and it still hit, and the game went into overtime. May not have been Dayton. I have to go back and look, but sometimes you just got that's that's the joy of college basketball. Sometimes, Mike, because you got to ride with some teams that you're just convinced to yourself. I I don't know if this team can score a point, and here we are because we're going to be able to find an edge and an opportunity to to enjoy the madness that comes along with it. Yeah, that's the thing is I'm looking Ben for teams that have consistency in the year of the transfers, time of the transfers. Everyone's putting moving pieces in. 
we tend to overlook the consistency. The uh, Wisconsin is another team that has a lot of players back. Dayton as well. So those are the teams that I gravitate towards because consistency matters. Because you know, these games are separated by just a couple possessions here and there. So if you have a team that knows each other, that knows about helping the helper, that knows about where their man's going to be on a fast break when they want to get to their favorite spot, that makes up a little bit of a difference and really can help us here get to the window and get some teams, some big wins in those close games. That's why I favor teams with consistency, veterans, and a great coach. And by the way, it was Dayton. It was November 23rd last year in a Thanksgiving Day tournament game against the Wisconsin Badgers. 43 to 42, your final score. And uh, all of us, uh, I had to basically gouge my eyes out after watching that game. Like I just, I couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, four of 27 from three-point range. The score at halftime, folks, 23 to 14. Is that high school? I think it is. Oh my gosh. Gross. Mike, you're the best. Thanks so much for making time for us here on Benny and the Bets. Make sure you guys are checking out his work over at FTNBets.com as well as across the FTN network. You can follow him as well at Randall Rant. Thank you again, man. Thanks for the insight and good luck this season. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, it was a pleasure, Ben. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.